Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Good morning. Hey, open your Bibles up to Mark chapter 5. We are going to spend all morning in this story in Mark because I need some truth this morning. Do you need some truth this morning? We're just going to spend some time digging through this story. So if you brought your Bible, open it up to that. If you're on your phone, go to Mark chapter 5, verse 20, but then flip your phone over because when that's Uh, A Yelp waitlist tells you your table's almost ready. I don't want you to get distracted. So if you didn't bring your Bible, it's going to be on the screen. But we are going to spend a large part of this morning just looking at this story because one of our values in this church, in this church family, in this community is passionate devotion. And, and we, we brought it on this slide because I want us to remember that this is who we are. If, this, if you're visiting and you're wondering who, is, who are these people or you've been here a while and you're thinking, what are we? This is a huge part of who we are. We are passionately devoted. It says we are tired, amen? <laughs> Anybody tired this morning? Uh, It says, we are tired of mediocre versions of faith. And my favorite part of this value isn't that we're pointing fingers saying, we are so tired of all of the mediocre versions of faith. We're owning it. So it says, we are tired of this, so we. So we are over the top passionate about prayer, worship, scriptures in the pursuit of God. I underlined the scriptures one this morning because I want to talk just about that one. Because we're pretty good as a church of being over the top passionate about prayer. If you weren't here during Holy Week, there was someone in the church every hour of the day of the week because there is a space that has been created for you to pray and prayer is just a part of that. And prayer is so wonderful, but I also think that prayer is convenient. You can pray when you're driving or when you're getting ready. I'm literally praying right now, Lord, please don't let me screw this up. Like you can pray, you can multitask and you can pray, can't you? You can do things and and, and you can pray. And, And you can also multitask worship. For many of you, worship is song and you can tell Alexa to play your church playlist or you can worship in the car. For some of you, worship is nature and every morning when the sun is rising, you're naturally worshiping. But for scripture, it's not something that just becomes a part of our multitasking or or our nature. It's not something that just shows up without us making space for it. So we have to talk about that this morning because this part of the passionate devotion, it's gonna cost us something. And if you're anything like me, when something costs, I can get a little lazy and I just wanna do the easy things. And, And this is so important. From the moment that I became a Christian, I was highly aware that every time I spent time in the scripture, I felt closer to God. 
It's just this moment where I, when I was saying, God, I want to hear from you, he was like, I've already said it, or God, I, I want to feel you, and it, and it was here in this. And so I want to talk about this this morning, and I want to show you something that I do that helps me read scripture, because sometimes this book is too much for me. I don't know if, if you're okay with me saying that, but it's just too much sometimes. And I've learned some things as I've tried to figure out how to get closer to God, and I want to share one of those with you this morning. And what I do that is helpful for me is I make this about relationship. You see, reading this book is not about obedience or you being a good Christian or a better Christian or you having tools to throw back at people or to be the smartest person or know how to answer all the things or to fix people. It's merely about a relationship, a relationship with you and your creator. And what I have learned to be tried and true is that the more time I spend in here, the better I am at having relationships with people. I'm a better wife, I'm a better mom, I'm a better friend, I treat my enemies better, my neighbors, you, it changes everything. So something that I do, I wanna share with you this morning, when I get into a story, like the story in Mark 5, I step back and I ask who are the people in this story, because people are important. And we need to understand that the people in these stories were human. And so I do this thing that makes me kind of feel like I know them. If I wanted to get to know you, maybe I met you and I thought, man, that person's really cool or that person's too much. Um, and we might go to coffee and I would ask you things like, where are you from? What, are, what do you do? What's your Enneagram? You know, what, do you have siblings? All of these things will help me paint this picture of who you are. I would understand you more. I remember when I found out that Leslie was a middle child. I was like, that adds up. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, she wasn't even in the room. She left. She didn't hear that joke, so we'll tell her that later. Uh, Leslie, I just said the best joke about you, and you weren't even here. Um, so, but it, it makes sense, right? So why wouldn't we do that with people in Scripture? So when I started doing this, it changed things for me. It helped me remember these stories. And I'm going to tell you a story later that will explain why it's so important for us to be able to remember these things. So here's something I do. We made you this slide. If I'm going to read a story, I will first look through the story and I will write down everybody's name that is in the story. This is a little over the top. This is when I really want to study. I don't just want to skim through it. I will write down every person's name in the story. And in this story, we're going to read about these characters characters, these people that were real life humans living and breathing and they had pain and joy and heartache and all of these things that you have, they had. And so the first character is Jesus. I'm not sure if you heard about him. He's a pretty important person in this book. Um, at this point in the story, it's important for you to know that by the time we get to Mark 5, that Jesus is probably exhausted. He had just had a wild 24 hours. If you backed up in Mark, you would find him preaching about the parables. He ran into this guy that was demon-possessed and he healed him. And then the people's response was to throw him out of the town. Jesus literally got kicked out of a town. And then we find him entering this story. We also have to remember that at this point that Jesus is, is just without a place that he is traveling and he sleeps in boats and in gardens and he doesn't have a home. So we are going to encounter a very exhausted Jesus who is 
overwhelmed by all of the people who are curious about him. At this point, people are talking about the wild things that he is doing. The next person in this story is Jairus. Say Jairus. Jairus is a really important synagogue leader. What does that mean? What that means is that he was probably wealthy, that he was well-known, and he was almost as if you can imagine a pastor today. He was over the synagogue. Everybody knew him. He was a very, very important person in this community. He was Jewish, which meant, and this will be important later, that he should not be worshiping Jesus in this moment. That he should be in the crowd that's saying, this guy is false and we will do whatever we can to stop him. That is Jairus. And then we have Jairus' daughter. Say Jairus' daughter. Thank you for saying it like a daughter. Uh, I grew up in Western Oklahoma. Jairus' daughter at this point in the story is on her deathbed. Uh, spoiler, she dies in this story. This is important. She's 12 years old, and she's his only child. And then we have the crowd. Say the crowd. The crowd is curious. I don't know if they're curious because they want to prove that Jesus is right or that they want to prove that he is wrong, but they are very curious. And then we have the sick woman. Say sick woman. <laughs> Guys, don't talk about me that way. Uh, this, is, this is important. This is why it's important to take a step back in scripture because you might read over this and say, a sick woman came and touched Jesus. But what you have to understand is that because this woman was sick during this time, that this, the label on her forehead would have said unclean. You see, she wasn't even allowed to come into a space like this, a holy space where we say the doors are open, everyone is welcome, but not you. But not you because you're sick. And not only was she not able to come into these spaces, she wasn't allowed to be out in public, so like no Applebee's, no concerts, none of those things. And even a step further, because she was unclean, if she touched you, now you are unclean. Do you see the implications of this, that not only is she lonely, but she is alone? This is important for you to remember when we're reading through this. The sick woman would not have been in the room this morning. And last, we have the disciples. Say disciples. The disciples, like Jesus, have had a big 24 hours and they are exhausted, I'm assuming, that they are hungry, and we will see it come out in some frustration and sarcasm in this story, but it will be important for you to remember that they have been following this Jesus through faith, and that they are without a home and without a job, and that they are a part of this man that is causing all of these waves. So these things are so important for us to know as we read, and now we're about to read a big chunk of scripture, and I don't know what you need to do to pay attention, but do that. Because whatever I say this morning, this will be the most important part. If you need to sit on the edge of your seat or close your eyes or you need to read along, do that. Because this is a huge chunk, but you cannot miss this, okay? So we're going to read this. This is Mark 5. We're starting in verse 21. And it's titled in my Bible that Jesus raises a dead girl and heals a sick woman. It says, when Jesus had again crossed over the boat, here's our clue again, he's going back and forth and he had just come back when he's had this busy 24 hours. Remember this, when he had just crossed over the boat, 
To the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. There's the crowd. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. This is a really big moment because what he was saying, when you fall at your feet during this time, it was this omission of worship, that you are above me and I am below you. And when Jairus did this, he risked everything. His job and his status was on the line the moment he hit the ground in front of Jesus and everyone saw it. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed. So Jesus went with him. I don't know if you've ever had a Jairus moment. When I'm reading scripture, and this isn't the only way to read, but this is a way that, that, that gets deep in my memory for me, and that's why I wanna share this with you. But when I'm reading through this, I think, have I ever had a Jairus moment where I was desperate for Jesus to come show up for somebody else? And would I have risked these things for somebody? Have you ever had a Jairus moment where you needed Jesus to follow you back to somebody that needed him? Like this is where Jairus is. He's desperate so much that he was risking, risking it all. This is a large crowd followed and pressed around him. I was reading some commentary on this and it said that the word pressed is actually also translated as crushed. <laughs> Can you imagine how Jesus is feeling? Have you ever like, just like trying to get out of the church after when you're just trying to get over to Honey Bunny and everyone's trying to like be friendly and talk right out there. Like it's just a little crushing, right? But this crowd was crushing into Jesus in this inconsiderate, like I wanna be next to him and close to him and they were crushing into him and he's already tired. If you have kids and you're just trying to eat your toast and they're all over you, like you get it, like they're crushing into Jesus out of this curiosity. It says that they, 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 they pressed next to him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. They believe that she, the moment she became of age, she started bleeding and she hadn't stopped. So this puts her in her mid-20s. And I think that that is an important thing to realize when you're imagining this young woman not far of age from Jesus who is not welcome in this space. And she's alone. She'd been bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just could touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. I don't know if you've ever been so desperate, so desperate for healing that you were willing to go into a space that you have been told you don't deserve to be in. My problem with this part of the story is she had to push through a crowd to get to Jesus, and my conviction sometimes is I do not want to be the crowd. 
right? I don't want to be pressing into Jesus so much that my back is turned to the people who really need to get to him. And so we're crowding around him in this moment out of curiosity or out of anger or any of the things. And there's this woman who, interesting enough, had to touch all of the people who said she didn't deserve to be next to Jesus. And now they're unclean. And now she touches Jesus. And then Jesus does the most Jesus thing. (laughs) At once, Jesus realized that his power had been gone from him. She pickpocketed him in a moment, right? She like just stole his power. And he turns around to the crowd and he asks, and this is in red in my Bible, who touched my clothes? (laughs) Can, Can you imagine Jesus walking in the crowd and then him just stopping? Can you imagine how she felt in this moment? Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. I imagine that they're like, who touched your clothes? Oh, we all touched your clothes, Jesus. Like, we're here. We're next to you, right? And and, and yet you can ask, who touched me? This is where you see, like, the tired disciples. Have you you been that way when Jesus is maybe asking something and you're like, you know, I don't know. Why are you asking me this? Like, we've been through. Have you had that frustration with Jesus where you're just tired and you just need him to get to where you know you need to go and he starts asking questions? No, but just me? Okay. Me and the disciples? I mean, you know. So, so they say, why are you asking this? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. Again, we remember what that meant. And trembling with fear. I don't know if you've ever approached Jesus with fear, but it's something. Told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I think it's so fascinating that Jesus made sure that everyone in the crowd knew what had happened. If he hadn't have done that, she would have had to proven herself to be in the room, right? But he interrupted all of it, and I assume that he made some space for her. And he made sure that everyone there knew what he had done. If he would have just went on his way, she would have had to prove to people, no, I've been healed. And how did you get healed? Well, I touched him. Well, that's kind of, no, you didn't. We were all around him and you're not allowed in public. He cleared it for her. And that's what he does for us. That's the whole, like your debt has been paid. He said, this is, this is redemption. And I'm going to make sure that everyone in the room hears this. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and they said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? You see, the people came out of the synagogue, the church, if you will, and they didn't have as much faith as the woman who wasn't even allowed in church. And they said, why are you bothering the teacher? She's dead. Overhearing what they had said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. (laughs) I hate when Jesus says things like that. You're like, I'm trying, I've been trying, I've been waiting on you. Can you imagine how Jairus is feeling at this moment? Have you ever been waiting on Jesus and he just hadn't shown up yet? And what if he got interrupted by somebody who isn't more deserving of you, but needed it more in the moment? And how, do you, I imagine in that moment he was so frustrated with this woman. Like my daughter is dead and you came and interrupted the only thing that was gonna save her. Can you imagine how he's feeling in this moment? 
He did not let anyone, this is Jesus, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, she is asleep, but they laughed at him. After he put them out, (laughs) he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished, and he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. What a guy. If you've been on the fence about Jesus and you hear this, you should be like, That's, this is the savior for me. Like, he's concerned, like, I went through a hard day and he's, he knows I need to eat. Like, this is incredible. But what's fascinating to me is whenever the woman came and touched him, he wanted everyone to know. But in this moment, he made everyone leave the room and he said, don't tell anyone about this. I wonder if he was trying to protect Jairus. And we don't know. But there was this important girl because of her important father and this very unimportant woman. And Jesus heals both of them in this moment. It is important for me to read stories this way and imagine how did the little girl feel when she opened her eyes and the man her dad had been talking so negatively about staring her in the face. How did Jairus feel when his daughter was alive and the man he doubted had healed her? Like those things make it go deep in my brain and they come out in seasons when I need them. And that's why it's so incredibly important for us to be passionately devoted to scripture. And we can make excuses or we can make a difference with this. And our excuses are that it's complicated. But you saw it wasn't that complicated. It's just a bunch of people doing, Jesus doing weird things and healing broken people. And like we all want to be a part of that story and we all, all are in that story, aren't we? And when you read it this way, for me, it always comes back to the surface in moments. Like I remember, I remember one of the hardest things I ever went through. I don't know if we've had coffee and you've been able to find out if I was a middle child or why I act the way that I do, but if we did, you might learn a part of my story is that in 2008, I went through one of the most devastating moments of my life. I found myself in the middle of a really unexpected, painful, and public divorce. I worked in the church and my husband worked in the church, and the rug was pulled out from underneath me. And in this season, what I wish that I could tell you is that my faith in who God was and the way that he saw me did not waver, but that was not the case. I was incredibly confused in my pain, and and I felt alone, and I felt undeserving of being in this space now because the circumstances that were surrounding everything. And I remember that I was trying to read this, but I couldn't. Have you been there where you're just looking at these words and you know they mean something? I mean, how can a book with such thin papers never tear? Like, this is holy. We know that. (laughs) We know it. I mean, have you thought about that? This is the thinnest paper ever, and it's so durable. 
I knew it. That's the thing for me. I was like, I don't know if the Bible's real. And I felt the paper. I was like, it's got to be. <laughs> I had to put my Bible up for a moment. And this is the, the least proud moment that I've ever had in my Christian walk because I had been to Bible college and I'd been in ministry and I know it was true. And for me, this is the way that I connect with Jesus. This is my relationship with him. So when I closed it and I put it up in my, in, in my closet, it was almost like I was saying, hey, we're going to take a break, right? Like I was separated from him and I was. And I remember three months went by and I, I took it down and and I thought, just, just read a story. And the only story I could think of was this story. And it's probably because when I got my Bible out, my little bookmark was in that part. I think it must have been the last story I read before I gave up. And so I thought, Mel, just read this story. And as I was reading it, I, I stopped for a moment. And I thought, in these past four or five months, I have been every single person in this story. I have definitely been a hopeful yet hopeless gyrus that is begging for Jesus to bring something dying back to life. I have definitely been you, Jairus. I have definitely been terrified for my boys. I, ha I have been begging Jesus to just come back and show up for them. And I've been the curious crowd going, is this, are you who you say you are? I don't, like, is that who you are? And I, and I had definitely been the bleeding woman. At this point in my story, I wasn't coming into a space like this. I had taken some time off. I had taken some time back. And I didn't think that I deserved to be in this room because of my circumstances. And I didn't have it in me to push through people to find out if that was true or not. I had just taken this space. And so I was like, I definitely feel like the bleeding woman. And I know that you could heal, God. But, but what does this mean for me in this situation? And I was absolutely a tired disciple. And I saw my story all throughout this story. And at some point in your story, you will be every person in this story. At some point. But at every point, you should be Jesus. You see, I was comforted when I looked through here and I thought, I'm Jairus, I'm the bleeding woman, I'm the crowd, I'm the... I, I was comforted by that, but I was convicted when I realized I had lost sight of the main character. I was convicted when I realized that I read through this and all I could pay attention to were the broken people that needed something and got something and I had stopped focusing on the person that I was supposed to be imitating. I'm not telling you that every time you read, you should be like, I'm Jesus. I'm going to be Jesus. But if we're called to be imitators of him, then we should be paying attention to him. And what I noticed when I paid attention to him was that he was exhausted yet available. Is that who I am? Don't answer if you know me. <laughs> he, was, he was interrupted yet not annoyed. Is that who I am? He was somebody that followed through with what he said he was going to do. He was a man of his word. He said, I'll heal your daughter, and some things come up, and he got interrupted, but he did what he was going to do. He's, he was a man of his word. Is that who I am? Do people trust me? Is that who I am? This is where I found this conviction, and this is why it is so incredibly important for you to read this for yourself. 
Because when you go through situations and moments, truth rises. And if that truth isn't something that you know, it's gonna be your own understanding or your past or, or what you think you know, and that's gonna get you into some trouble. Anybody know that that is true? But when the truth of this rises and you're in those moments and you remember this moment, it can change things for you. And it doesn't just change things for you, it changes things for the people around you. I experienced this last night. This is so crazy. I could not have planned this even more. I was like, God, I get it. I'm gonna say it. I hear you. You're, like, you're being, I was the disciple. I was tired. I'm like, why are you, you know? And so here's the thing. I have had a really crazy two weeks. Like, I, I honestly am just tired. I feel scattered. I feel like I've done all of these things, but nothing at the same time. Anyone? Like, if I'm honest with you, I've wore this like eight days in a row, and I don't even know what it smells like, because I don't have a sense of smell. Like, it is just, that has been where I was at yesterday. Like, can I be honest with you? Like, yesterday, I was just like, oh my goodness, Sunday is coming. You were like, Sunday is coming. And when you're up here, you're like, oh, Sunday's coming, right, Christy? Like, oh my gosh. And so I, I had had this, I had a work thing, and then I did some things. And then last night I decided I need to go for a drive. I need to like pray and write a sermon. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, and it was a beautiful night and I rolled my windows down and I was driving and I was, I was Christy was right. We were, people have been praying for you. I prayed for every person that comes into the room and I prayed, God, don't let me mess up your word. And I got home and I was like, oh, finally I'm going to go to sleep so I can be awake in the morning and can do my best. And I got on my pajamas and I washed my face and I was getting ready to crawl in bed and my phone rang. And I looked and on the phone was one of my dearest friends. And it just so happens that I was almost waiting for her to call me because every day for the past two months, we have talked on the phone. She lives in another state and she's going through something really difficult. She just so happens to be going to, through almost the same thing that I was going through back in 2008. She's, she's found herself in the middle of this divorce that is just unraveling everything and this separation and she's not sure what to do or how this is gonna turn out. And so we've been talking. I've been trying to be available yet exhausted. And so I answered the phone and she's asking me, hey, I'm praying for you and like, what are you talking about? And I could just tell there was this, and I finally just said, as I had shared with her, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna share about what I went through when I was going through my divorce in the Bible. And she's like, oh yeah, that's so cute and nice. Like, you know, she's like imagining like, oh. And I just said, hey, what are you thinking right now? And I don't even know why I asked that. It's such a weird question. <laughs> and then she said back to me something that I think is the most terrifying question anyone will ever ask you. She said, can I tell you something? <laughs> I was kind of like, mm, it's 1041, like, I, you know, but wait, what's funny about that question is we never answer it. People are like, can I tell you something? And it's just this assumed, like, like no one's going to say no. And so I just sat there and um, she said, I don't, I don't know how to say this, but um, I think that God is done with me. And I think that from everything that I'm feeling right now that maybe I'm just cursed and he's gonna spend the rest of my life turning his back on me. And I just, I'm here, like when you hear somebody you love saying something like this, 
I didn't even know what to say. She said, I think that he's given up on me. And there was this pause. And I don't know why, but I said, is that who he is? Is that who he is? And I can hear now at this point, she's crying. And she said, I don't, I don't know, Mel. And I said, yes, you do. Because this friend of mine, she, she loves the Lord. And I know that she's read this. And God has used her story to minister to people. And she's walking with him. And she said, I don't even know. And I said, yes, you do. And she said, I don't know. I think there's this time in the Old Testament and there was a curse. And I said, no, 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 no. Like, what, about, what, about, what about Jairus? And it was so thankful that this was on my mind because I said, what about Jairus and his daughter? And what about the, the bleeding woman and the crowd that was crushing Jesus? And what about the woman at the well? And what about the blind man that everyone thought he had sinned? And that's why he's And I began saying all of these things that I had been reading. And all of a sudden, I hear this gasp on the other side of the phone and I pause. And she said, I can breathe. And I said, what? <laughs> she said, I, I, can't, I haven't been able to breathe all week. You see, I went to coffee with some women from my church and they said some things that took my breath away. The crowd, <laughs> the darn crowd. <laughs> I said, what are their names? <laughs> She said, I went to this coffee and they said some things that I, I haven't been able to breathe. And I could hear her gasping. I haven't been able to breathe, Mel, and I haven't slept. And I can't stop thinking that God is done with me and I can breathe. And I'm just like, what is happening? Like, I get you, I'm going to say it, I know. But I'm thinking, I don't have time to add that story because I had the other. And, you know, and it was like God was saying, see, this is it. This is what passionate devotion is about. It's either for you to be able to catch your breath in that moment or for that person next to you because she was in all of this fog and she couldn't remember that there was a Jairus who didn't deserve for Jesus to go into his house and a woman who shouldn't have been next to Jesus and they were both healed. She couldn't remember that. This is what this is about. This is about us walking into spaces like Jesus. And so I have to ask you this morning, whenever it comes to reading scripture, are you a tourist or are you a treasure hunter? Because what tourists do is they go to fun places and they make memories and they take photos and they get new friends on social media and they get souvenirs like church swag and different things. And then they go home. And they plan another visit maybe in the future because that was fun and good. And that is a tourist. And that is not what we have been called to do as people who are a part of a community that is passionately devoted. What we have been created for is to be treasure hunters. Treasure hunters get dirty and they have a mission and it costs them something, but they find the gold. And the gold just so happens to be the word of God. And you were created for this. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad this morning. I don't want you to put your head down and think, oh, I haven't been reading my Bible and I don't even really own a Bible. And like, I think I deleted the app. Like, that's not what this is about. This isn't about you feeling bad. This is about reminding you what you deserve because you deserve the treasures. 
You see, you deserve to claim what this has to say in your life. What do you need to claim today over your depression, over your addiction, over your pain in your situation, over your joy, over your family? Whatever it is that you need to claim, you can find it in here. And you don't have to be Nicolas Cage finding the treasure. Don't be that guy. It's been said, right? You don't have to find the big thing and dig and figure out what all of you just have to consistently look for gems. And what you do is you put all of those gems together and it makes this mosaic of what Jesus Christ looks like. And when you're in your situation, you get to look at that and you say, he does not give up on me. He does not curse me. I see who he is. And then in turn, you get to turn that around and show the people around you what Jesus looks like. You get to walk in the room like Jesus did. But it's really hard to imitate somebody that you don't know what they look like. So the, if the only Jesus you know is the one that you've heard about on this stage, you don't know him, you know about him. And again, I'm not trying to make you feel shame. I'm reminding you what you were created for. You were created to have a relationship with your savior. And one of the ways you do that is through this book so that you can walk into spaces and go, no, have you heard of Jairus and his daughter? And you can help people catch their breath. That's why this is a core value of OKC community. Because in your life, there is going to be a helpless yet hopeful gyrus. There is going to be a curious crowd, tired disciples, and a bleeding woman. And it is our job to be available it is our job to do what we say we're going to do. It is our job to walk in the room like Jesus would. That's what passionate devotion is. That's why it's a core value. This is not about obedience or you having this strict thing that you have to do to check your mark. This is about you having a relationship with the word of God because there are people in your life that can't breathe. And maybe that's you this morning. And you can just start in this book. Just start in, in Mark 5 and say, God, where am I at in this? Because I don't see you. This makes an invisible God very visible. This is your doubt crusher and all of the, you want to hear from him, he said it. This is why we have to be people. Even if you have to just push play on your Bible app. Whatever you have to do, you have to be consuming this. Because there's gonna be situations where something floats to the top and it needs to be truth that sets you and others free. Does that make sense? Listen, we, we want you to practice this. We want you to be passionately devoted in here so that you can be passionately devoted out there. When Honey Bunny runs out of biscuits, like keep your calm. Like, you know, like it's this is weird Jesus in the world. So there's a space that has been created for you this morning. As the band comes up, we're gonna continue worshiping because maybe you are gyrus today and you need to come down front on behalf of somebody else. Or maybe you're a curious crowd and you're not really sure and you need to talk to somebody about this. 
You can do that at the welcome table or you can come down front or maybe you are the bleeding woman that needs healing for yourself. Or maybe you're just a tired disciple that needs to come rest either in your seat or down at the altar alone. But this space in worship has been created for you to take this story and bring it to life today so that when you walk out the doors, you get to walk out like Jesus. We have to be treasure hunters. You were created to find the treasure, not just tour around stepping over the gems that were created for you. You deserve so much more than an inherited faith that your parents gave you, that your pastors gave you, that podcast, that book. You deserve Jesus, period. And the way that you receive that is through passionate devotion and prayer and worship and in scripture. So I want to end with all of us reading this again, this value of ours. So if you will stand, uh, we're going to read this and then we are going to practice worshiping. Okay, read this with me. Just with all of your voice. Let's declare this over ourselves this morning, okay? We are tired of mediocre versions of faith. So we are over the top passionate about prayer, worship, scriptures, and the pursuit of God. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.